grind forever the pnb network's one and only bi-weekly i almost said biannual uh <laughs> not quite but bi-weekly uh rpg discussion podcast i am your host um i am don tierney and i have no clever name for dragon quest i guess you could call me like a a, a, a pale slime they, okay today. yeah i don't know there you go pale slime of the pnb network Dylan tierney and uh joining me is a uh, friend of the show um and previous guest on grind forever brendan hess hello here. now what are you what kind of uh kind of monster would you be in the dragon quest uh hmm. epic that's a really good question i should have i should have prepared for this gonna say a skinnier pale slime there you go yeah Let's go. I'll, yeah, thin pale I'll slime. Be, you're, you're like the you're like the leader of a bunch of thin of regular pale slimes like myself. I'm like I'm so. like the king pale slime. Ah yes. Or maybe I'm a heel slime. They're they kind of like they have like floaty, spindly jellyfish arms. And you think you're down with that? I mean, for the for the purposes of this uh, this question, yeah, why not? Sure, let's go with that. Yes, and if you couldn't tell by all of our slimy uh, discourse over the last minute <laughs> or so, uh, we are talking about Dragon Quest and uh, Dragon Quest Eleven specifically. But this is the first Dragon Quest we talked about on Grind Forever, which you know the fact it took better part of a year to do that is a bit of an oversight on my part, but. Uh, I did not know that many people super passionate about Dragon Quest, and you've been uh, talking this game up for since it came out. Yeah, essentially. Dude. Um, but before we dive deep into Dragon Quest Eleven, um, you've you've played other Dragon Quests before. Right? Yes, I have. I, um, uh, I, I mean, most of them. I've played most of the Dragon Quests. I've played. I haven't completed all of them, but I've played almost all of them. Uh, the ones that I've completed are 3, 9, 6, and almost 8. I've done most of the main story. I haven't done any of the post-game stuff in 8. So. Well, was a lot of that in those uh, DS-era re-releases, or did you <clears throat> play them just back so, in the day? So, Dragon Quest Eight, I played on the PS2. It was a, uh, mm. a rental game for me. I rented that for, like, three or four weeks or something like that you know when i was like 14 or 15 i forgot when it came out but yeah that was that was actually one of the last games i rented from something from like a brick and mortar store too so yeah but the timeline matches up that way uh you don't really do that all that much of unless you're like in a red box or something these yeah. days yeah so. so uh yeah i have a pretty good familiarity with the series and i've played uh, builders and a little bit of Dragon uh, Dragon Quest Heroes as well. So yeah, uh, I, I've always so you're pretty yeah I've always liked Dra Dragon Quest. It's always kind of been mm -hmm. a series that I followed and had some appreciation for. But I would say up until Dragon Quest Eleven, I never like I was never like I never loved it. I always it was I always appreciated it, but it was never one of my absolute favorites. But after 11 uh that may have changed a little bit yeah you've been very uh, you've been singing the praises uh very heavily on on dragon quest 11 in particular um and kind of just diving into into 11 specifically what do you think it does that kind of sets it apart from the other dragon quests like is there is it more of a combat or is it more of a narrative focus on things or because i know 10 was a departure because it was it was the mmo right uh, yeah entry. And and I've I've um, never I, I think I attempted to download a client of it and play it once and I never was successful <laughs> so I have no idea right. how how ten plays or what it's like uh, the thing about eleven that really stuck with me though is the characters and I know a lot of people say that about other Dragon Quests um, specifically eight I know a lot of people really love eight uh, and I think mm -hmm. actually Dragon Quest eight Dragon, or Dragon Quest eleven feels almost like an iteration of eight in some ways mm -hmm. like if we were going to create uh, maybe if we were going to create as close of an example as possible it would be dragon quest eight in its narrative its characters it's just general gameplay uh systems and setup and stuff so it doesn't really do anything that dragon quest has never done before outside of maybe some uh some evolutions on some systems and whatnot but really uh, for me it was just the characters and I, I love them all i think they are some of the best characters i've ever had not just in a dragon quest game but in an rpg in general 
and mm-hmm. I'm very picky about the types of characters and storytelling that I get out of JRPGs. Like, I don't really want... I don't really like a lot of the melodrama that you get in some of something like um, maybe the most recent Xenoblade Chronicles sequel or ah, some yep, Final Fantasy yep. 15. Um, Dragon Quest doesn't do that, and Dragon Quest 11 in particular manages to create this balance between this whimsical fairy-like or fairy tale-like story, but also it goes some places man it gets really dark and characters grow and go through some really um difficult times and their arcs mm-hmm. are all they have they all every character's arc has a really good payoff so anyway that is why i think dragon quest 11 is so good in the nutshell gotcha gotcha it seems like a it seems like a nice i've been uh really into octopath traveler as of late yeah and i think that game is is kind of uh the opposite narrative wise like it's 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 something I go back and forth on of if I like it or if I don't because the, the melodrama is there but it's more of a personal melodrama so it's not as like I don't know uh, anime tropey oh yeah um at, at least towards and, until you get towards like the end of uh, oh there's a pantheon of gods and it, it sounds very Warcraft by the end of it but um yeah well uh, and, and I mean actually it's funny uh, I also played a lot of Oct- Octopath Traveler over the summer before. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven released, and I would say that they are almost polar opposites in a lot of ways, just in terms right. of how their gameplay setup is, their combat systems, all this stuff. But I love both of them. I really do like Octopath Traveler a lot. I would say I like Dragon Quest Eleven a little bit better, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, they are really good complements. And I think the we'll probably bring up Octopath Traveler up again. Uh, throughout this entire episode right right yeah it's just it's it's only natural just because i've been playing it it is it's been uh square enix's big rpg output for this year yeah so. definitely um but when it comes to characters and melodrama and uh like not really focusing on that stuff to all too much um like what uh do you have like a favorite if a standout for dragon quest 11 of the characters yeah, just like the char- like by themselves, just this character. Um, yes, I do, but I think I'm gonna wait to s- give you the specific character arc that is my favorite. But I will go over. So let's. I'll just talk about each of the the kind of big characters in general. There's, of course, the hero that you play as. Um, you very early on you find out you're the reincarnated uh, hero uh, from like ages past. His name is Erdwin. And Erdwin is similar to a name from the original Dragon Quest games, the original three games, which is Erdrick. And that, you know, has a whole connection, and we'll talk about that later. But um, right. then there's Eric. He's your first party member you get. You meet him in the catacombs after being thrown in prison. And he's a thief. He kind of has a mysterious past that never really gets touched on until the very, very end of the of we'll say the second act of the game and it's a really it's kind of a shocking and really sad pass and and story and his, it it pays off really well but um I like his voice actor pretty well but I wouldn't say that he's my favorite party member he started out pretty high on my list but um I think I think the kind of 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 all the stories in the game his was kind of like, well, that kind of came out of nowhere, um, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about a little bit later. Um, then there's the twins. Their names are Veronica and Serena. They're your mage and your healer, respectively. And Veronica was turned... So Veronica was basically turned into a um, a childhood version of herself. They're both probably, you know, in their mid to late teens, really. But Serena's full-grown. Veronica through this magic backfiring was turned into a child so um so they're twins and you meet them you meet uh veronica she's she's wandering around looking for her younger sister and uh and then you meet serena and she's like oh that's my younger sister and oh but you know she's also looks like she's 10 years older than veronica and uh so so that's kind of it was you know a neat way to 
introduce them. Then there's Sylvando. A nice twist. Yeah. 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 There's Sylvando, and Sylvando is probably... He's in my top two, probably, of my favorite characters. Um, he's this... Right. He's super campy. He's flamboyant on... To the point of almost being potentially problematic. Uh... <laughs> uh, they do kind of play on some, we'll say, uh, homosexual stereotypes for humor a little bit too much with this character, mm. but he is, he's just this genuinely nice, funny, and caring character, and provides a dynamic to the party that you don't really get from a lot of other maybe comedic relief type of characters, like, he's, he's, he's not, uh... He's not cowardly. He's not, you know, some sort of. He's a jest. He's a jester uh, when you first run into him, but he's not a fool. Mm-hmm. Like he's not. He's not doing dumb slapstick stuff. He's actually a very capable fighter. Um, but he just, you know, he's just a really nice and caring guy on top of being the comedic relief. So it's he's a very endearing character. And then there are um, Rab and Jade, and Rab is kind of the old man of the party and jade is his companion their martial arts duo you meet them during a fighting tournament called the mma tournament which stands for the masked martial arts tournament and uh there's a bunch of just little uh ufc um puns and and wrestling like professional wrestling puns during that that whole arc and it's also Hmm. just like the most perfect representation of a Dragon Ball tournament arc in a game I've ever seen. It's so good. It's so good. And I'll maybe talk about it a little bit more later. Um, And then there's some other characters. There's uh, your mom, Amber. She's your adopted mother. Chalky, your grandpa. Gemma, your childhood best friend. It's a JRPG. There's a billion characters, right? So, uh, But that's your main party. So those are the characters that you're going to be with the whole game, or at least the majority of the Mm -hmm. game. Now is it a strict like four party like four person party? Yeah, it is. So, gotcha. Um, but it differs from uh, other other similar JRPGs and other Dragon Quest games, especially in that if your four party members wipe, you your reserves will pop in. So, let's say oh. let's say yeah let's say you're fighting uh, some boss monster. She takes out your party. Um, your three reserve characters will jump in and because of the way that the characters are balanced, usually you'll have at least one or two capable healers. So you can even resurrect that fourth character that is still sticking around, um, that got knocked out. So, um, you have a lot of flexibility there. You can also swap characters in and out at any point. Like you can, uh, instead of a character taking their turn, you can swap them out with another party member, almost like in... Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. Um, and the combat is... I mean, the combat is very similar to other Dragon Quest games, but it differs in that previous Dragon Quest games, and even Dragon Quest Eleven on the 3DS, you input all of your uh, commands before the turn starts, and then all of the commands happen. So, like, you... You say what all, all the attacks and spells your characters are going to do, and then they do them trading back and forth with the enemies. But in Dragon Quest XI, yeah. it's you you select an action, your character takes it, then the next either the creature or the next character takes their turn, and it's a little bit which gives a little bit more um, direct control over how you react to things in the combat. So, you know, let's say in old Dragon Quest games, maybe you said. I want everyone to attack this one creature and uh, you do that and then maybe one of your characters gets hit a couple times before it's their turn to attack and they get knocked out. Um, in Dragon Quest XI, that doesn't happen. So you do an attack and maybe a couple creatures attack one of your characters and they need to be healed. You can just heal them right away without having to worry about, you know, will my heal actually go in that time? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah, it's that's interesting. Like a bit of a delineation from other JRPGs I've played. Like have uh, a lot of JRPGs are pretty derivative of the active time battle system from like Final Fantasy yeah. IV. But uh, I think there's a nice twist on it. Well, and uh, you know, it's funny. I was I've been in the 
in the wake of completing Dragon Quest XI, I've actually been going back and playing some other JRPGs in general, and um, while I would say, like, I would say, like, I personally prefer the more action-oriented stuff, so, you know, something like a, a Legend, or I'm sorry, a Secret of Mana, or, or Legend of Mana, um, mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Eleven is, like, completely, is completely turn-based. There is no active time uh, systems, you're not building up a meter, you're not, you know, dodging like you do in some, uh, some JRPGs, it's, it's nothing really like that. It's completely mm-hmm. traditional one to one. You select your action, you take it. Next turn, and you can just sit there for as long as you want and decide what you want to do too, which is nice. But um, to kind of speed things along, they also have, uh, which is something Dragon Quest has had since I think Dragon Quest Three, the auto battle, where you can just tell your party to like, yeah, take your own commands. Yeah, and, and which is nice when you're grinding or something, but that's not right. something you have to do very much in 11 in general. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is I, that is interesting what they take from, from certain other franchises, because, like, I, I know Persona didn't invent uh, uh, Auto Battle, but I feel like that was the Persona, like, 4, even... I, I'm not sure if it was in 3, to be quite honest, but I know in 4, I used it a lot of just... Everybody kind of does their melee attacks. Everybody just, and it also speeds the the battle along really, really, I think, really quickly. As long I think I, in three, you only had control over one character, so it was like even if you only yeah, it was even if you only was, mm-hmm. were just controlling one, the other ones were auto battle anyway. So that's 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 what it was. Is because in Persona three and also vanilla Persona four, you didn't control your own units, but like Persona three portable and Persona four golden you did. And then they decided smartly to just in percent of five let you control your own units as well. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I think that avenue of control is, I don't know. It makes playing like Persona Three on PS2 pretty hard for me to go back to, just because it's like why why don't you just let me like right yeah I could do this better than they could. Like your AI can't be that great. Where like I'm I'm kind of thinking like a a 3D chess here, you know? Like I'm trying to whittle them down in this specific way, but and um, I would yeah I. I, I was going to say, I I felt that way maybe during boss battles or particularly difficult um, like creatures or, or lineups mm-hmm. of creatures. But by and large, the auto battle works pretty well. I personally chose to use it very seldomly, but it works pretty good. And if someone were to, you know, just want to kind of sit back and let the party take care of the combat and enjoy the story, you totally can do that. I, that's interesting for a JRPG, which I don't always associate with like putting story over gameplay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we kind of uh, brushed on some of the characters, but was there any specific story beats? Like, I I guess let's veer away from spoilers, but like, was there a specific moment where you're just like, oh man, this game is fucking awesome? Like, <laughs> this game is really starting to click with me. Uh, yeah, there was, and um. There are several, and unfortunately, they're all extremely uh, massive spoilers. Spoilerific. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'll avoid I, pronouns. Maybe use pronouns. Well, there is. I think there is one ones. twist that I would like to maybe talk about towards the end. That I think is actually it's indicative of why I think Dragon Quest Eleven's characters are so good, but. Um, mm-hmm. We'll go back to um, the character Eric. His um, his Act Two arc. He kind of so. Okay, how about this? In the end of Act One, Dragon Quest Eleven pulls a Final Fantasy Six, and the ultimate bad guy destroys the world. All right, damn. And Act Two is you. Just like in Final Fantasy VI, you're going back through this ruined world, trying to see what remnants of humanity are left. How is civilization trying to, you know, stave off the darkness and stay safe from the hordes of mon- monsters that now are invading everywhere? And you're also mm-hmm. trying to rebuild your now scattered party members. So uh, at the beginning of Act Two, you are alone. 
Um, I won't say exactly where, but you are alone, and um, you, yeah, you're you're just you're trying to rebuild your party. So at this point, when you have found Eric, it's kind of non-linear as to when party members can rejoin you. So for me, he was the second to last character that I had rejoin my party, but I think he can join as early as like number two, even or number two or three. Um, so his arc at this point, so he's lost his memory in the wake of this great calamity, the ultimate bad guy. His name is, uh, Mordegon or, or do I have that right? It's got, uh, yeah, Mordegon. He's destroyed the world. He's destroyed Yggdrasil, the, the world tree to which all souls go to and and are reincarnated through and all this stuff. So he's totally, you know, he's totally jacked up the, the metaphysics of this universe. Um, and Eric can't remember who he is or where he came from. And basically we find out that this scrawny little uh, thief character was originally um, under the care of a band of vikings from the north and Mm -hmm. that he was basically growing up he was looking after his sister and they were trying to like get themselves out of this viking group and make enough money to survive and and one day on one of their raids eric finds this magical gold um uh, necklace that anyone can who wears it can turn whatever they want into gold um, and so his sister yeah. kind of gets obsessed with it and ultimately she ends up turning into gold and he blames himself for this and uh, as he's regaining his memories it's it's really it sounds kind of like basic and um, almost cliche when you're describing some of these story arcs but it's so well voice acted and it's so well animated. It was like it was very heart wrenching. You you yeah. felt really sad and you totally uh, you t- the the voice actor did such a good job. It's totally believable. Um, and that's the case for every every voice actor in this game. I don't know what it is about Dragon Quest games, but they they have really good voice voice acting talent. But um, basically, you so you you hear that his sister basically died by turning into this gold statue of course this weird plague is now plaguing the the northern area where the vikings are from where all the vikings are turning into gold skeletons if you kind of put two and two together you kind of start to realize okay his sister became this weird bad creature and you know ultimately they have a reconciliation in the form of a 20 minute long boss fight but um oh man but that particular story arc, it doesn't really... I mean, it's there's a little bit of a... It's a spoiler, obviously, for that story arc. But that that one was really touching to me because of how like sad it was and how dark it got. I mean, you look at Dragon Quest and it's like... It's like this, you know, these cute little slime monsters and flying bat creatures. And, you know, anime Dragon Ball looking characters with with swords and and happy eyes and stuff but it's it's one of the times in the in in dragon quest 11 that i really i was i mean i don't want to say depressed but that i was just i was really moved by the story Hmm. yeah that 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 alone does sound like a pretty compelling um like touch just for one one character yeah and uh it, it seems to tie in uh there's a lot of the sort of pseudo Norse mythology laced in this game, I'm assuming. I mean, I've just based off of the brief uh, osmosis I've gotten from a lot of friends playing the game or seeing it. Like I've seen pun- puns galore of things <laughs> like uh, Sniffelheim, which I thought was very, very amusing. Yeah, that's um, so. This game's obviously it's steeped in the Norse stuff. Um, that that. Yes. So, I mean, it's steeped in the Norse stuff insofar as there's a place called Sniffelheim. There are Vikings in that region. And the world tree is named Yggdrasil, right? And there's a lot of right. dragons and whatnot. But actually, there are... Um, there's a town that's modeled off of, like, Polynesian and Hawaiian culture. There are, um, you know, different accents from 
the British Isles um, represented throughout all of these different characters. You know, you got Scottish characters, Irish characters, Welsh characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also like there's a there's an area that's basically just uh, like um, Japan. There's a, there's an area that's Japan with its own Mount Fuji um, stand-in. There's an area that's basically Tibet with a Buddhist-like temple, and so it's mm-hmm. it's it doesn't really do. It's not really sticking strictly to Norse mythology or even um, like Scandinavian culture. It's pretty wide open in the different types of cultures it's representing. And then you also get like you know weird green boo aliens in the sky <laughs> so there's that right kind of just taking little little uh, creative leaps for that stuff oh, yeah. um which i feel like drag quest has always kind of melded that pretty well mm-hmm. the sort of like sci-fi meets fantasy um nature which is really things. interesting because you wouldn't expect it like you look at this and it looks like you know it, it totally looks like an ultima or a wizardry ripoff but the yeah. and and something that i really i like about Dragon Quest is that it doesn't really get up its own ass about like metaphysics or mythology or lore. In fact, it's it's very sparse on all of those things with maybe some slight exceptions for setting up the scenario of a game or tying, mm-hmm. you know, easter eggs to other games. But by and large, it's not like like it's not like there's going to be giant wiki dumps of of, you know, trying to understand what a the you know a pulse lassi versus the fall sea versus this other lassi like in final fantasy 13 there's there's <laughs> none of that and i think that's why i like right. dragon quest so well is because it's just like nope here are these really interesting characters that are really well voice acted and uh, the art and the music and the monster design are all really charming you don't have to care about anything just enjoy it that's right, it right right there's something to be said about a game that sort of takes a step back from the sort of lore world building elements of like modern RPGs and if we want to go back and tie this again into Octopath Traveler like at first it's sort of everything's disparate and it's sort of like a D&D campaign where you kind of recruit these characters and go along in your own paths that later on um, crossover right. which I full disclosure I stole this point from uh, Octopath Traveler guest on this episode Ian Prashell he he kind of opened my eyes to that. I'm like, yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, but it all it, it it inevitably does still, based on some of these late game chapters I've done, yes, still kind of goes into that whole like lore, um, uh, just a huge our overarching storytelling of of like I said before, a pantheon of gods, and uh, there's a fallen god who like they cleanse the world in holy fire and that's the fire everybody worships it's a bit more interesting in how they tackle it i'd argue but it's still ultimately like uh steeped and it's as you said up its own ass yeah, a little yeah. bit about storytelling i mean i'll give it credit for starting starting very small with everybody's stories and kind of building to it like cyrus is just looking for a book because his boss is mad at him right yeah um but yeah it's it's I don't. I don't know how often we'll go back to Octopath because it really does seem like these games are not rivals, but like they're just two entities kind of doing their own things and doing them really well. Well, I think it's just it stands as a really good point of contrast. You know, um, right? I mean, Octopath Traveler is really it's, it's the random encounters are long and random, and in Dragon Quest you see all the enemies on the field, kind of like you. You know, this is something that Yuji Hori started with Chrono, uh, Chrono Trigger, and then implemented it into later Dragon Quest games. But um, yeah, you see all the mobs on the screen, so there's no, you know, there's no need to, there's no random encounters, which is something I really don't like. I actually like it really well in Octopath Traveler because of how small all the dungeons and areas are, and it its depth of combat is so, it's so vast that you know spending 30 minutes fighting a boss is fun it's not tedious mm-hmm. uh dragon quest is, its combat is snappy man like even even just you know it, it takes one or two actions to wipe out you know even a reasonably matched monster so you're not really spending that much time in combat you're fighting a lot sure but um you, you not that much you really don't have to grind very much in dragon quest 11 
with the exception of some late game stuff and mm -hmm. you know because you have full control over when you fight and what kinds of monsters you're fighting like it it doesn't feel like there's never any risk of of accidentally stepping into you know oh god this this mob is totally gonna wipe me i'm too far right like, right so there's and then like oh god Aquabeth is the worst it, about that it I'm, totally is like yeah. if, if 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 you're if you're the i'd forgive it for a lot if for only one thing uh if you fail to run away uh your whole party just literally says they slip and fall and then you just get fucked yeah um like they punish you for not they punish you for that shit like hardcore and like to the point where they'll give you skills to be like oh, increase your rate of running away i'm like why does that have to be a... Shouldn't that be something kind of baked into the... Like, that seems like a Band-Aid, not a, not a fix. You right, know? Like, yeah. Same thing with random encounters. Like, you can increase them, you can decrease them, but it... Like Bravely Default, which is the studio who made uh, Octopath Traveler, it never really quite felt like they figured out their own systems. It felt like they made it so you could work around them. And I'm like, is that really good? I don't, I think, I don't know. I think Octopath's <laughs> one saving grace in that instance... And I actually... There's a... I wrote a piece for IGN on, a, on this exact topic um, is that the dungeons are so small and they're so mm -hmm. simplistic that it doesn't matter. You know, you might run into four or five random encounters, but by the time you've yeah. completed them, you're basically through the dungeon and almost to this, the end boss of whatever chapter you're on. So it's not... Whatever, whatever's there, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it's not impossible, I guess, to get through a dungeon relatively safely i guess it, it it does depend on what you know the random role of what monsters you run into is but mm -hmm. yeah but you say in like dragon quest 11 it does a more of a it does a better job at, at mitigating that by not being as grindy and not yeah. being as obviously random because that's like you said yuji hori kind of in chrono trigger which i you know, Octopath takes a lot from Chrono Trigger, but it did not take this, uh, the random nature of battles. No, and actually, uh, so it's it funny, just... if you go... So, I mean, a lot of people will be like... It's funny, I think a lot of people talk about Chrono Trigger in the context of Chrono Trigger and its relationship to Final Fantasy, but I don't often hear a lot of people talking about Chrono Trigger's relationship to Dragon Quest. And one of the games that I went back to recently, just to see... After after playing um, Dragon Quest XI, mm -hmm. um, was Chrono Trigger, and obviously the first thing I was like, okay, yeah, the the random encounters, but just the way that Chrono Trigger tells its story, and the way that it emotes and uses certain types of um, like character motifs and stuff like that, reminds me a lot more of maybe. Dragon Quest games from Dragon Quest Five on, than it right. does, I guess, most Final Fantasy games because, like, there's just this levity to, to to Chrono Trigger that you don't really get even in like, you know, even like Final Fantasy Four or something like that, not, or even Final Fantasy Seven, like there's there's levity and stuff, but it really tries to be like. We are telling a serious story. Serious story. And, like this narrative is the end to be all. And let me tell you, Dragon Quest Eleven has some serious shit. Um, I <laughs> will say this: you have seven characters in your party. It's not always mm -hmm. the same seven characters, and sometimes characters leave and don't come back for terminal reasons. And it i you don't really see it coming and it punches you in the gut and it sucks and it's sad but the story consequences for characters being taken from you is it pays off so well and i don't think i've ever mm -hmm. had a a game i don't think i've ever had a game sell a char a, a playable character's death quite as well as dragon quest 11 and this is a huge spoiler so you know, I won't tell you how it happens, when it happens, why it happens, or who it happens to. But, um, yeah, characters die. Your party gets split up. Things go bad. A lot. But good things happen from that that, I don't know, it, it reminds me of the way that it feels when Chrono dies. Like, you, Chrono dies, and it's like, oh, shit. 
Well, that's not the end of the world. We have to go and save him. We have to go bring him back. We have to, you know, right. try and make the best of the situation. And that's what Dragon Quest XI is all about. Whereas, like, you know, Final Fantasy VI, which I've compared it to earlier, is like, well, Celis is going to jump off the... the the um, Cliffside. Yeah. And it, you get none of that in, in Eleven, which I really appreciate. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is an uh, interesting point of how, like... Chrono Trigger actually has a lot more Drag Quest DNA than a lot of people uh, a lot more care to point out. A lot, yeah. actually. And to the point where, like, Dragon Quest 4 and 5, I just talking about it right now has jogged that memory for me of, uh, like, hearing people talk about it on, like, podcasts and stuff. Of, yeah. Like, the uh, if you want to play, like, a proto Chrono Trigger, you play, like, Dragon Quest 4 or Dragon Quest 5. Like, these <laughs> games uh, almost feel like a blueprint that that game followed. And, and the... The Chrono Trigger stuff that takes from Final Fantasy is more of a, like, uh, I'd argue, uh, like, music or, mo- like, I mean, I the music speaks to me the most just because of uh, Nobu Uematsu yeah. and seeing his, t- his touch on it. Um, but I guess it's more of an aesthetic thing where while uh, more of the gameplay, the actual game, definitely stems a lot more from, uh, from Enix, which at the time, you know, Square and Enix teaming up, like, there's no comparison these days for that kind of craziness, right, you know. Yeah. Like before they became the one company in 2001, like I don't know, that's like that's like Activision and EA type of shit. Oh you know? yeah, like they're the two biggest names in JRPGs uh, I coming mean, together to make like it, yeah, it's like it's it's insane. It's it's, it's not it's it's Obsidian and and Bethesda or Obsidian and Bioware or something like that or Bioware and Bethesda like f- of Western right. RPGs. If that was going to happen in for Western RPGs, it'd be the same. It'd be the equivalent. Um, which I, those studios are of such a size these days and of a certain quality that I don't think it really, maybe it doesn't map one-to-one, but it's, it's as close no, as an example I mean, as it's, I can it's, it's a pretty close comparison yeah. because like even, even back in those days, like, you know, it was 94, 95, you had Dragon Quest, uh, four and five, you had Final Fantasy's like five and six, yeah. uh, sort of crop up. Like they were both on a pretty good hot streak, so it only makes sense that Chrono Trigger would kind of uh, turn out the way it did, but um, back to Dragon Quest Eleven. Yes. Uh, what did you did you play this on PC or PS4? I played it on PS4, um, and I liked it on PS4 pretty well. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a recommendation that if people can play it reliably on their PC, that they do so for one specific reason. The only thing, you know where this is heading. the only thing about Dragon Quest XI that I think is objectively not bad, but objectively not good, is its music. Not because its compositions are bad, not because its quality, in terms of um, you know, uh, just overall quality, is not Arran- bad. Arrangements, arrangements. Like, yes, it, thank it's you. It's not. It's it's not bad in that regard. It's, but I know where it's you're MIDI this, quality. So. And yeah. it's garish, and sometimes it just clashes with what's happening on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. On the PC, there are mods that will put the orchestrated version, which exists. There is an orchestrated version of this that you can get with the collector's edition of um, Dragon Quest XI. You can listen to it all on YouTube. All of these, all of these arrangements exist in orchestrated form. But they're not in the game because of how the licensing works with between Enix and, or I'm sorry, between Square Enix, Sony, uh, the composer's company, and then Yuji Horii's company, which is uh, Armor Games or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But because of this nightmare of licensing stuff, it's cheaper for Sony and Square Enix to have a MIDI version of the soundtrack in this game and it's it's such a disappointment so mm-hmm. play it on PC try to use those mods if they exist I don't know some people I've heard I, the last I saw is that they existed but that people were saying the composer was upset because he didn't want that to happen and hmm. um, and so there may be some sort of like DMCA action i don't know if they're if that's even possible with this type of content but that was yeah that's that's a little odd i don't know like that's that's so that's just a strange thing to get hung up on when it comes to like you know it a creator being upset that like their work is being used a certain way you know 
obviously their feelings are valid on the subject. They fucking made the thing. But it's just one of those instances where I just find it odd because, like, why would, why would you let kind of sort of corporate meddling sort of, like make your product or like what people are hearing and yeah. asking objectively worse? Like... Maybe it's something steeped in in the Japanese culture that I'm not well versed on, like ownership of of this composition, or like maybe that maybe that translates to something different in Japan. I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, well, and I, I mean, as far as I know, it has to do with who holds the rights and the amount of licensing money that Sony and Square Enix mm. would have to put up to have a fully orchestrated version of the soundtrack on the PS4, um, because oh, so it's more of like a more of like a archetypal or architecture issue maybe um it i mean i, I think it's really just, it's a money issue because the composer I, mm. I i wish i could remember his name off the top of my head um he part of his contract is that he can sell uh he can sell cds of the soundtrack and he gets all of the right. all of the money from these cds so if he were to have the orchestrated version in the PS4 version, Sony would have to pay more for him to get the the proper okay, royalties. Okay, because yeah, um, yeah, because it's essentially Sony buying that CD essentially. Yes, and and you'd have for to do copy. it for yeah for each copy that you Which sounds exorbitant. Yes, it's it's incredibly high amount of money large amount of money um but um the music itself is really good and even i mean in the game yeah it's not great it's garish like i said it's kind of it's inferior to the orchestrated version it's still really good but it is weird because i fired up a um i i i got my hands on we'll say the uh 3ds version of dragon quest 11 and the music is exactly the same. Like it's exactly the same quality on the 3DS as it is on the PS4. So that is weird and kind of a disappointment. Yeah. That is, that is totally weird. So, yeah. So that's the only reason why I would say play it on PC. Otherwise, I mean, if that doesn't bother you, if you watch gameplay videos, and you're like, dude, whatever. This is totally fine. I mean, I, play, I played 60 hours or 70 hours of this game with the same music. And as much as I wish I had the orchestrated version, I loved every second of it. So, right, you still made it out of. Oh yeah, but, um, but I'm curious because uh, I remember seeing a few weeks ago at like a some kind of thing for Tokyo Game Show. Um, originally, when they announced this game, it was uh, with the Switch Nintendo Switch yeah. in mind. But because this game apparently runs on the Unreal Engine, yes. Um, getting that parsed out onto the Nintendo Switch is a bit more of an effort than I think Square Enix originally thought. Yeah. So they've decided to delay it and probably just make like a special edition. You know, maybe add a couple modes or features to the Switch version. Um, personally, I think that's where I'm gonna hold out for it. I don't know. Like something about the modern JRPGs just kind of clicks with me more on on portables. I 100% and... agree to the point that I almost was. I had my mouse precariously hovering over the. Uh, checkout option on Play Asia for the Seiken Densetsu collection last night. So, oh man. Uh, <laughs> so, I I get it. You know where I'm coming from. In this. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, um, but yeah, it's something. It's it's a game I know I'll pick up when it happens. It's the same thing. Oddly enough, we were talking about World of Final Fantasy a little mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, I believe, and uh, that's a game that's like. It's on. It was on PS4 a couple of years ago, and a lot of my friends were playing it at the time, just independently, um, which I thought was a little odd. Um, and I said it in our little uh, chat, but it's it's kind of like uh, it's a little bit of Kingdom Hearts, but without all the Disney stuff. And there's a bit of Pokemon aspects to it too, of just capturing monsters yeah. and recruiting people. But um, uh, it's a game that's gonna be like Dragon Quest Eleven in that I think I'm gonna really be gonna be able to sink my teeth into it on Nintendo Switch where it's a bit more portable and I think they're gonna add it add a bunch more modes to it like they are with World of Final Fantasy where it's getting like new characters, new modes, uh, a whole bunch of a slew of new features. And based on the fact that they're calling it like Dragon Quest Eleven S mm-hmm. or something or yeah. like they added just one little more subtitle to it makes me think they're gonna make it a bit more of a gay a full-fledged package. I doubt they're going to uh, have an orchestrated soundtrack. Although, boy, wouldn't that be a kicker? That would that, be like, crazy. The the the, the, 
the hardware inferior Switch getting like the quote unquote definitive version. Um, yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly going to be the definitive version of it for Japan, I believe, because they're uh, mm-hmm. the Japanese version for the PS4 did not have voice acting. Um, huh. But they are adding voice acting for the Japanese version on the Switch. Interesting. Yeah, so I think that, you know, maybe they'll add the, the Japanese voices for the English release of that, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm going to play the whole game again when it comes out to the Nintendo Switch, so I'll let you know. Hell yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's how much I like this game. I didn't expect... So, I mean, it came out September 4th, which was... It came out on my 28th birthday. Um, and I was uh, I was neck deep in Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I didn't think anything was going to pull me away from a Monster Hunter game. But, oh, but you found I it. found it. <laughs> and it, was, it kind of was a slow burn. Because the first... I would say the first few hours it was like I like Dragon Quest and I like this game. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm gonna play the whole thing. Maybe I'll just put it down and wait for the Switch version to come out in a year, two years, three years, whenever this thing comes out. And and I don't know. I just kept sticking with it. And and then I realized it was like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this just out of like boredom or necessity. I'm doing this because I really like this game. And I, uh, as I kept getting further and further, it just got better and better and better. It's not the type of thing where it's like, oh, you got to play for 20 hours and it gets good. It's the type of thing where it's like, it starts out really nice. And then it goes from being really nice to like, oh, shit, this is, there's some serious stuff going on. And, and now the combat's opening up even more than before. And the world is getting more interesting. And it, it for a game that's so traditional and so steeped in... Mm-hmm. Gosh, what thirty years of tradition uh, in what Dragon Quest is and does? It surprised me yeah. a lot. That that does sound pretty compelling. Of like uh, the kind of twists and turns the game can take when it's you know you're thirty years into this series and this is Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, you know these games don't come out every day, but like they and they yeah. tend to play it safe uh, when it comes to a lot of stuff. When like RPGs aren't traditionally known for taking radical leaps and departures, but I'm glad uh, Eleven is kind of steeped more in that direction for sure. It really is kind of the antithesis to to Final Fantasy. Like, I mean, there are there are major differences within the context of Dragon Dragon Quest between each game. So, like, you know, some games are really class focused, some games are really story focused, some games are completely right. non-linear and open. Other games are really, really linear. But by and large, Dragon Quest plays, looks, and feels essentially like Dragon Quest. Whereas, like, Final Fantasy, excuse me, Final Fantasy, I mean, pretty much everything after shit, 9 has been so much completely different to see than everything that came like before every, it. every entry seems like such a radical and, let's say, expensive departure right. from the last one. Um, especially after 13. Yeah, well, I mean, and even... Yeah, I mean, and even just the jump from... The jump from, let's say, four, five, and six to seven, eight, and nine, those are big changes too. And seven, eight, and nine are radically different from each other. And whereas, like, it's all Dragon refinements Quest, of this. Uh, it's all like pretty much the same. That is Dragon Quest. While Final Fantasy, like, from the old days yeah. of like the SNES games to PlayStation to now, where fifteen is just like its own. It seems like its own enigma, honestly. It is its own like crazy open world game that's that has uh, what oh, seems God, like yeah. twelve different like story uh, like character chapters that like th- that they're gonna release well into twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. I'm like, what the hell? I thought this game came out like a, over a year ago. <laughs> so they're making they're making fifteen into like more of a platform and more of this open ended thing. Yeah. I- um, which is pretty interesting, and I'd love to talk about fifteen with somebody on this show because I have quite a few thoughts being somebody who's watched a lot of it my girlfriend played through most of it um yeah i i actually you know so here's another thing that's one of the games that i gave a shot to in mm-hmm. the wake of 11 i went back to it and i don't think i like that game and i'm kind of disappointed that i don't like that game and i'm not going to play i'm not going to see that game to completion um you know I, I, the, the storytelling just didn't really stick with me and 
the combat's not right, great, and I don't right. care about like the overworld. world. Oh, go ahead. And, but the thing, the thing that 15 does do that I do kind of think is neat is it's peppered in with all these little like references and Easter eggs, right? You know, like when you're at the equipment screen at a shop and everyone like it's all the 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 16-bit sprites of your characters and they do the like the fist bump if they can equip the the right whatever whatever weapon or accessory right um i think that's neat and there's little there's a bunch of stuff i mean that's that's kind of final fantasy's thing is to all these crossovers but 15 really is like hey look at these cool these cute little things that are from the past games whereas dragon quest dragon quest 11 um so i i did say earlier that dragon quest doesn't have right we'll say an overarching series mythology uh dragon quest one two and three is a trilogy and they are a story trilogy where it's like one and two you're playing as the descendants of this great hero and dragon quest three partway through you find out that you are it's kind of a prequel to those first games and it's it, it does some really neat little story things for as primitive of an RPG as three is. I actually think three is quick aside. I think three is still right. maybe my favorite of the Dragon Quests overall, simply because it plays like it plays like the original Legend of Zelda with Dragon Quest RPG systems instead mm-hmm. of item collecting and action combat. So um, so I really appreciate that that openness. But um, but then there's four, five, and six. And they're a trilogy that are loosely connected by, like, you know, some winks and nods. But pretty much every standalone. Dragon Quest after that is completely, completely standalone. Um, Dragon Quest Eleven completely undoes that and is like, hey, guess what? We have connections to all of them. Uh, we have Easter eggs that combine us to everything. Not only that, but we completely are rewriting the history oh, and wow. the lore of those first three games to make them mesh in a little bit more with the other games so um so yeah i as much so so basically what i was saying is final fantasy 15 really good at like you know making this kind of it feels like this weird kind of capitulation and a love letter and almost an apology like hey guys look we know we've changed we're we still love you guys, but we're going in this direction. Whereas Dragon Quest XI is like, hey guys, we still love you. And this is this really big deal for us that we've had 11 of these games. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you this huge amount of fan service. The thing is, is like, you don't have to know. Like, you don't have to know that this stuff about, about Dragon Quest XI. Because you can play most of the game and just... And not know what, you know, some of these Easter eggs are. Or even be aware that they are Easter eggs, but... I'll tell you the post game is much better, and because the the post game in this right. game isn't really a post game, it's more of just an act three. Um, it's it's basically necessary. Um, <clears throat> it's much better if you know, at the very least, your stories for the first three games, and maybe some character names from Final Fantasy Eight or not, sorry, Dragon Quest Eight. Um, it's helpful. No, like I. So I, I'll just say that. I going already in. wanted to get the game like when it came uh, out on Switch, which honestly it doesn't feel too far out. I feel like that's probably just boilerplate 2019 at some point. Um, so I'll be I'll be happy to pick it up at that point. And ha- it seems it sounds like you know for all these ties together to previous Dragon Quest, it sounds like a hell of a first to Dragon Quest to get into. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think I think people have been saying before dragon quest 11 came out people were like dragon quest 8 that's the one you start with um and or some i mean some might say dragon quest 4 i think because 4 is kind of a 4 or 5 because they're shorter they're only like Mm -hmm. 20 hours 30 hour long rpgs 4 and 5 are uh, and they're really they're story focused and they have really good characters. Whereas the first three games are very just mechanics heavy, and like I said, they play like Legend of Zelda with an RPG with RPG mechanics in it. Um, 
I think those are all good places to start. I think Dragon Quest Eleven is going to be everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of people's new recommendation for where to start. But if you really want that end game to really, to really like resonate with you, I mean, your options are to play maybe at least a little bit of some of those other games, or just spend a lot of time on on Wikipedia and YouTube. And just through osmosis, become familiar enough so that, you know, when certain, yeah, when certain characters are named or certain reveals happen, you can really appreciate it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's something something I would probably end up doing is just like go into a deep lore dive on YouTube or Wikipedia or something for all, um, for the previous games. I mean, I'm not huge on like spoiler stuff, but I mean, if I want that, that, um, endings really quick with me like like you say it does then yeah that's probably that the route i'd go so well and like i mean the the so there's two endings of the game right there's there's the first ending where i mean right. it's not a spoiler to say you defeat the bad guy mortagon right he's you've you beat him um and uh you've you've gone through this huge quest you've you've lost loved ones but new new allies have joined you and uh just a lot of really interesting twists and turns um however the true ending is kind of a convoluted mess to get there and it does it introduces things like um time travel and um the potential for uh, rewriting timelines and things like that and that kind of put me off at first because I was like this isn't what I want out of Dragon Quest what is going on and it, there's a lot of like logical inconsistencies that I I literally had to look up interviews with Yuji Hori and be like oh, okay so this is what he thinks is actually going on that makes things make more sense or whatever because the way it, it the way it might introduce some of these more um, mystical mm-hmm. themes it kind of doesn't do it very good, or it, it, it does it fine, but it just it. So in the time travel, it kind of implies that you're jumping to alternate timelines, whereas uh, Yuji Hori is like, no, it's just ah, all one gotcha. timeline, but it's really messy and confusing. So just 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 know that going in, like if you if you think of it as like, okay, no, th- he's like this game is saying I'm just going back in time or forward in time on the same timeline. It makes a lot more sense than going back in time to alternate, you know, worlds or whatever. But it, 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 so anyway, I completely forgot where I was going with that, but, but the, all of that stuff kind of gets the third act really messy. And then you finally get the, the real ending and the real ending is um, completely worth it. So, it, like, stick through that stuff, and and know a li- at least a little bit of your of your Dragon Quest lore. And the that last ending is is just super impactful. Not least of which is uh, the the um, that they have the credits. Basically, uh, it it just shows gameplay from every other Dragon Quest game, and plays like you know their overworld themes and their. And, and that sort of thing. It's, yeah, it's it's kind That's, of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I keep saying it over and over, but like I already was kind of sold on this game, and talking with you about it makes me even more more so sold. Um... Oh man, and I like I wrote down a bunch of stuff about like major twists that totally blew my mind, and I if I mean I do not want to spoil it for you or for anyone else, but there is. Something that happens in the very, like there are multiple things that happen in Act Two, that I just, I just, I had to like, sh- I shook my head and was texting my buddy who is also playing it at the same time. <laughs> I was like, this game just keeps going places, man, and I just, it's so good. I like something happens, something happens relatively early on in Act Two that I don't think I've ever been more excited about. Um, a mm-hmm. character's 
change in motivation yeah, than I awesome. ever had when this um, happened. It was so good. But to kind of so uh, put a bow on things, obviously, obviously, I don't even have to ask you, would recommend this game wholeheartedly to uh, Dragon Quest veterans or newcomers alike, even JRPG 100%, newcomers. 100%, absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I can't wait to get my 100%. hands on this game when it comes out. Um, I mean, obviously, I could just play it on PS4 whenever, but like I said, I, mean, I, I'm, I, I feel kind of like an old man stuck in my ways a little bit, sure, but I yeah. just love my RPGs to be uh, on the smaller side. Well, I I don't blame you. I, I struggle to find new games to play all the time, and it's what it is is I want to play. Like, oh, yeah, maybe I, I'd like to sit down and play right, Spider-Man, right. but it's not on the <laughs> Switch. So I'm not gonna do that, and so I totally understand the, I totally understand the decision to wait, and I, you know what, I would even endorse it. Like, you know, if for whatever reason the Switch version doesn't come out here, which I don't think that's gonna happen, but if it doesn't, like, you know, go back and play the PS4 version. Maybe there'll be like a right if you get that, that you know, a definitive that, version by that probably point. Get it done. Um, but at the end of every grind forever, as is tradition, yeah, yeah. we pick one song and it's a standout track. Um, sort of go out on is there a song you have in mind or even just like you know an area or a character theme that stuck with you the most well so i think i mean obviously i think the dragon quest overture is so good but if i mean right. I, I would hope that that was how the the episode opened um if if i was gonna have it go if i was gonna say they're there's a track that really stood out for me. It's probably the overworld theme and it, the orchestrated version specifically. So, um, it would be that, or it would be, I think <laughs> the parade mm -hmm. slash Sylvando's theme is really, really, gotcha, gotcha. it's, it's yeah, very that. neat. So, uh, so one of those two. orchestra and obviously, uh, I, I almost want to call him Sylvanas just because I've been, you know, too steeped in that. But, uh, orchestral right, versions yeah. of those themes definitely want to check them out um, you can follow PNB in its entirety on Twitter at PNB Cash you can follow myself at Tier Knee you can follow Brendan at Brendan underscore LH correct alright um, and yes. you can support us here on PNB via patreon.com slash PNB um, just a few bucks a month gets you early access to a bunch of our shows like Level Select and Grind Forever um, it gets you exclusive shows uh, such as PNB FM and After Alpha, and uh, generally just helps us out, keeps the lights on. You know, like uh, we we have enough going that all that is possible, but we just would love to keep doing more. And having that bit of uh, moral and slight financial support would be a great uh, great get for us to to know that we should keep going and keep on doing what we're doing. So. Um, for Brendan and myself, have a good one.